On this episode of Progressive Palaver, the group considers the rest of the Queensryche catalog as well as the family tree. That was awesome. I love it. (laughs) Okay. Brilliant. At least you didn't use the word (laughs) de-evolution. Hi, and welcome to Progressive Palaver, a group of lifelong friends and appreciators of music discussing the greatest progressive rock bands, album by album. I'm Joe Beauclair, and on this episode of Progressive Palaver, I'm joined by my very good friends, Paul Zotter, Ken Gregory, and Tom Corcoran, as we consider the rest of the Queensryche catalog, including things by former members. All right, gentlemen, welcome back to what I think is going to be our last palaver on Queensryche. You know, never say never. But uh, so, you know, anyone who's been following along knows that we started at the beginning. We covered the EP through Promised Land, which is really the the era in Queensryche where we all um, got on board we were, you know, young high school students when we discovered them. There's a certain nostalgia that goes along with bands of that nature. And I don't think it's it's unreasonable to say that certainly that era of Queensryche was probably their most poignant, artistic, and powerful. And so, you know, we made the executive decision that we were going to, you know, do that and stop. I like how you sort of like danced around. Like you said, it's it. You could say it. Of course you could say it. It's well, we have said it. Not even close. We not even close. Everything that we're going to talk about is not, is not even close to what we've already talked about. Well, I want, you know, there may be some people out there who really, really jam on other parts of it. I, I think I agree with you, Paul. I think it's obvious that the albums that we have already covered in their entirety far exceed in artistic value anything we're going to talk about tonight. But I try not to be too much of an asshole. So. <laughs> <laughs> so that being said, as we were going through, as we were going through that sequence, and and Ken, you hooked us up with the author's of the Queensryche biography, Building Empires. And, you know, you start to sort of bring in or, or look at other aspects. For me personally, there were, there, were two, there were two sort of things that led me, well, maybe three, three that led me past Promised Land. The first thing was, you know, 
I had it in my head that promised land was absolutely delightful. And here in the now frontier was a stinking pile of shit. And so I wanted, you know, I was having a great time as I was preparing and listening. So I thought, hey, let's just, you know, on one of my drives, let's bring here in the now frontier and see if it's really as bad as I remembered. And I will say, certainly from a production and sound quality perspective, yes, it is as bad as I remembered. Terrible. Um, there were a couple of songs that kind of made me like, oh, okay. But it was just, it wasn't the Queensryche that I wanted. Tom, this is an argument that you make fairly often in the palaver. Someone will come out with a record that isn't what you want for that record to be. Cool. So then, of course, you know, you start thinking about, well, you know, hey, Tribe is when DeGarmo came back. Maybe there was a little magic there. So you listen to Tribe and you're like, no, there really wasn't. Okay. So that was the first thing. (laughs) Then the second thing that got me going far afield was when we were preparing for the live crime episode. And one of the things that we considered, obviously, was Mind Crime at the Moor, which was done after DeGarmo's exit, when I believe it was Mike Stone took the place of of Chris DeGarmo, but the other four were still there. And that leads you into Operation Mind Crime 2. So you listen to that for a little bit. You're like, yeah, okay, I can kind of see Operation Mind Crime 2 is probably ill-advised, but it's not nearly as bad as, you know, it could have been you know, et cetera, et cetera. Okay, cool. Great. And then the the saddest part of all of this that comes about, you know, as, as you're, as I was digging through the lore and looking into all of this and you start to, you know, we talked about this. Um, I, I forget exactly which episode it was, but you started, we, we did talk about the the breakup when Jeff Tate, left the band in one form or another and you have these these court depositions describing these this atrocious sort of public meltdown and and all of the things that people were saying about each other in sworn statements and it's it's kind of painful to to watch but it sort of led me then to well what was what was happening you know, how did the music reflect any of this? Um, and and so you listen to a couple of other things, which, of course, inevitably leads you to the current lineup with Latori and and the rest. And, you know, I had bought the verdict when it came out on vinyl. And so you listen to that a couple of times and you look at live YouTube clips. And, of course, Queensryche has been touring while we've been doing this. So, you know, they're all over Twitter and you see a bunch of stuff. But. But yeah, having done all of that and and hunted around and, you know, considered, you know, frequency unknown when it's twisted history, um, Jeff Tate's band Operation Mind Crime, uh, you know, there wasn't enough there to, I think, really warrant us going in and and really going any more in depth again. Who knows? Maybe someday we'll change our mind. But for right now, we sort of made the decision as a group then to, since we all had been exploring different corners of this era post-promised land, the idea was we would we would get together here as a group and just kind of 
explore, not in any, you know, formalized fashion or anything else, but talk about things that we found post-Promised Land that we liked. That's like, hey, something going on. Ken Gregory, you have a thought. Uh, we once played a yay or no game, and I wanted to do that in the space oh. of about 90 seconds with you guys nice. in chronological like order. Okay. And, and I'll take it all the way back. Uh, the beginning period, Wiki is calling it from the mob to Queensrake, 1980. I assume you guys are going to say yay. And then the next period is the warning and rage for order, 1983 to 1987. Super yay. 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 <laughs> uh, Operation Mind Crime, period, empire and mainstream success, 1988 to 1993. Operation Mind Crime is the best concept album of which I am aware. Yay. Yay. Yeah, yeah, Promised yeah. Land, 1994 to 1996. Yay. Yay. I like how Promised Land got its own era. Right. Okay. I, so, so, Ken, so far, are you agreeing with us? or Because you're not saying it. Yeah, your name. Major props for uh, Mind Crime, obviously. I, I'm more of a warning rage for order, Mind Crime trio kind of a guy. Uh, but mm. you'll see that I like a lot in the end. Mm-hmm. Here in the now frontier, ninety-seven through ninety-eight. No, nay, 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 nay. Okay, Paul. Yay for me, Tom. Uh, I have to say, uh, nay. When it all is done, when all the smoke clears, although there are some some nice spots on there. Overall, nay. Okay, Q two K inside projects, ninety-eight to two thousand two. Nay. 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 Okay. That's why we do this episode. This is the sensitive part. Tribe, 2002 to 2004. I tried, but no. Nay. Paul? I tried and I tribe. And uh, yeah. Okay. Now we hit Operation Mindcrime 2, 2004 to 2007. I'm going to give it a very small yay. Because it's not terrible. It's not great, but it's not uh, terrible. Nay for me. It, it is a little bit of a success story. If you read the book, it kind of saved the band. They could have just folded right then and there. And it was amazing that they pulled it off. Um, uh, yeah, well, okay. Still, <laughs> still a nay for me. Tom, what did you say for that period? Uh, I, I, I have to say nay, unfortunately. Sorry. It just didn't really have the melodies. It didn't have the hooks. It didn't have the drive that we really needed for a mind crime two in the big picture. Um, take cover an American soldier 2007 to 2010. I'm going to say yay on American soldier. It's got enough to keep me interested. I say yay on American soldier, but nay on take cover. That noise the hell out of me that that record. Yeah, Joe was, and I reviewed that separately, and it was, I was oh, going to say it was it was it was actually the take cover episode where we talked about I think the breakup. I'm going to give it a provisional yay because I, I, I honestly I'm going to give it just on the the back of um, heaven on their minds being on there. <laughs> And yeah. uh, that um. <laughs> I haven't. And, and Tom and I were talking before before the uh, before the episode. You guys got on. I still have never listened to American Soldier, so that's why I have to give it provisional. Oh. I hear good things from you guys, but I've not listened to it, so I'm going to give a provisional yay. Okay, uh, it's, gonna, um, it's way better. It's way better than Operation Mind Crime Two. 
Yeah, uh, I'm I'm agreeing with Paul on this. Uh, a, a, a yay for American Soldier, nay for Take Cover. Okay, that's fair enough. Uh, dedicated to Chaos, 2010 through 2012 period. All right, I'm going to I'm going to um, brave Tom's wrath, and I'm going to give this a yay because it's one of the things that oh. I've listened to like once, maybe twice, and I was like, that eh, wasn't bad. So am I. I'm going to give it a yay. Dedicated to wow. chaos. Wow, um, uh, that's a big nay for me. Uh, uh, <laughs> okay. Big nay. Um, yeah, he was, I, he was wroth with me. <laughs> this is the first place where we hit um, Tate solo, which is 2013 frequency unknown. Uh, again, I'm going to give this a yay. I know Tom hates me for that too, but hmm. I don't. Okay. I don't hate anybody for anything. I, 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 I you poo pooed it. <laughs> I mean, I'm just all right. So this one, Joe, I have to, you know, we're gonna take a second here. I mean, this just had like four or five songs on it, and then it had re-recorded. Um, was it Empire stuff? I mean, like, how yeah. could you say yay? I mean, this was like almost like well, beyond nay, but it's like sacrilegious. I mean, this okay. almost offensive. I'm mean, I really, I was really offended by that album. That that Tom is actually a very very fair point because when it got to the re-recorded Empire type stuff, it was quite frankly unlistenable. But all the original stuff I thought was was really quite engaging and enjoyable. Okay, I mean I mean it does show kind of the birth of Jason Slater. You get one with Randy Gain on it. Um, uh, it's interesting as he starts to put together his team. It's just historically interesting, but it's, yeah, I wouldn't recommend the investment. So I'm sorry, did they have the same producer as King's X on Frequency Unknown that they decided to go back and re-record some stuff? Sorry, I'm just coming. I'm just catching on to this now. I never got that far into the album to realize that they had re-recorded tracks. This was just Jeff and Higher Guns and... I guess right. I so, 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 keep, so, so keep in mind, right, the, the timing of this was uh, absolutely amazing. Right. Jeff gets kicked out of the band, like, what, in October the prior year? By April, he's ready to put out a record. He does. Like, it was written in, like, 10 days or some shit like that, right. recorded with a bunch of, of hired gun, you know, just slaying professionals. He releases it. And then, like two weeks later, the ruling comes down that he can't use the name anymore. Got it. Okay. And right. So, right. I mean, the whole thing was was just absolutely crazy and amazing. Tom, I remember you taking great exception to the cover of Frequency Unknown, where he basically gives a big thumb or big middle finger to presumably his former bandmates, but you took it as a big fuck you to all Queensryche fans. So. Um, you know, wow. yeah. He, I just thought it was very childish for someone who is prof- as profound as Jeff Tate and who has given us such wo- truly wonderful moments in in music. He's uh, and I, I just think it was very childish and you know very adolescent to do something like that. I mean, and yeah. I, I think he could have done better. You know, he could have been I, angry about the situation and handled it. That's well, very well said, Tom. I would not have been so um, charitable. Although, all that being said, it didn't stop them from putting out the deluxe edition in 2014. 
So <laughs> well, and, and, and that's that's the funny thing about it, right? Because apparently, as a result of you know this, and I, I don't know exactly how it went down, so I'm I could be talking out my ass. Yeah. But apparently, since Jeff released it under the name Queensryche and subsequently lost the rights to the name Queensryche as well as the Trireich, that somehow got consumed by Tate's official Queensryche, hmm. which is mind boggling to me. Right. And that's the one when that that re that remaster were all Billy Sherwood's mixes, right? Yes, because that's going to help. So anyway, which is we, actually it's really fun. It's a really fun. Like if anyone ever wants to know, like, you know, what is what is compression? What is limiting? You just listen to the, you know, the regular tracks and then Billy Sherwood's mix and, you know, boom, there's your answer. There's your answer. OK, Ken, sorry, we digress. Please carry on. We can't do anything in 90 seconds. My bad. Um, <laughs> uh, OK, I, I, I said something about the birth of Jason Slater. He was all the way back in Mind Crime to an American soldier, and uh, he was old hat by the time Frequency Unknown came in. So it wasn't like Tate put together this. They were session guys and everything, but but his producer was you know years into the fold, shall we say? Yeah, they had like a mojo going by then. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they knew how to make the donuts, if anything. They knew how to reach a deadline and stay within budget and, and, and you know, make it work. Yeah. Um, so, so we talked about 2013 extensively there. During that same period, the other guys were doing the Rising West project, uh, which eventually turned into Condition Human in 2014. Yeah, your name. I'm going to have to abstain. have not listened to any of it. Well, wait a minute. So you missed one. You missed the self-titled Queensryche album. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know much about the self-titled Queensryche record and frankly don't know that much about um, Condition Human or The Verdict. But what I've I have listened to The Verdict and I I liked it. So I'm I'm going to give that one a yay. Um, I can't really I have to abstain from a couple of those others. Okay. Well, I mean, this journey isn't done. Thank, thanks for the uh, correction, Tom. So th that is the uh, birth of Todd LaTorre. Um, so we've actually got three in the can for Queensryche with Todd. It's self-titled Queensryche, Conditioned Human, and The Verdict, correct? Correct. All right. Yeah. So, Tom, which wh what's the ranking there? Um, it's, it's sort of odd. Um, and I, I've listened to these three albums quite a bit over the past year or two. And um, the self-titled Queensryche, I, I like. It's, it's, it's strange. The first, like, three quarters of the album, or maybe two-thirds or three quarters, is, is great. I mean, hands down, it's, it's a very strong album. It loses a little steam at the end. They couldn't, they couldn't quite hold together, but um, it's a... It's a great, um, it's a great production. Um, there's there's some really great songs on there. However, the second one, Condition Human, I don't know what happened. I mean, I think they decided that they wanted to go heavier and get more sort of back to their roots, like toward the Warning and Rage for Order. But uh, they, it just 
didn't quite do it for me. And I, I tried to listen to that album a couple times and I just, I can't get through it for some reason. It's just not, uh, it just doesn't grip me. Um, mm. But the verdict, then there was like a, there was like a, a sandwich here that I, I really liked the verdict. I mean, there was some uh, great moments on that. And mm-hmm. I think they, in my opinion, they finally sort of came together as, as a band and, and, and really um, sort of found their, their voice together as like a, you know, a new version of the band. So yeah. uh, yay with number one, the self-titled nay, with number two and then yay again on number three. <laughs> Tom, I'm, sure. I'm curious about this because because we talked about this a little bit with the authors of Building Empires. And is it Building Empires or Building an Empire? I've been reading it a lot lately, but I guess I just not don't really look at the cover. When we, when we talked to them, Tom, I don't exactly remember how because it was so long ago, um, but we talked a little bit about how the like you said, it's like it's sort of the Todd Latoury era Queensrÿche is sort of a return to their more metal roots. It's it's um, he has that little growling thing going on, and um, but but it definitely is like Michael Wilton is, you know, in charge of writing the riffs, and you know I was wondering out loud like would it have been better for them to have stayed Rising West and you know, been, been the old guys from Queensryche that sound like something different, or was it better for them to stay Queensryche and sound like, you know, a new band that sounds like Queensryche? And, and I, I'm curious about your thoughts on that. That's a, a great question, Paul. And I think that uh, the answer unequivocally has to be that the, it was good that they kept the name Queensryche because I mean, look at the, pardon the term, but I mean, Jeff Tate came out with some great, in my opinion, some great albums with the Operation Mindcrime trilogy, if that's what you want to call it. But I think it it fell on deaf ears, I think because of the name. Mm -hmm. Um, There was a stigma, Operation Mindcrime, what am I listening to? Uh, Well, yeah, blah, 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 blah. We can talk about that uh, later. But, you know, it's the same thing that happened to Roger Waters. And, you know, and it's, it's just, it happened to, you know, uh, Jeff Tate as well. So I think having the name was very important for Queensryche. And they really came out, you know, they were really the Phoenix Rising. They sort of came out of the ashes with, mm. with a lot of this stuff because they showed that, you know, they could, you know, they weren't just players, that they were, they could really contribute to something. And, uh, although, as I mentioned, not all their stuff is, is home runs on the, on the album, on the three albums, um, there was enough strong material to, carry, to, to call them Queensryche. And mm. um, if I didn't have a lot going on in the past couple of weeks, you know, I certainly would have gone to see them open up for Judas Priest. Uh, I, I, mean, right. I think very, I think I was, very highly of them. I was just... Uh sitting here regretting not going to see them. It was a Tuesday night. I know I made up some lame ass excuse why I didn't go, Ken, but now I don't remember what that was. 
Oh, if I would have taken the bait, you would have been there. But I just had other things going on. But um, probably, it, was, right. you know, it was a school night. It was Tuesday night. It, it was, was a buddy night. It was a buddy system thing. <laughs> I um, lost my buddy. I, I had an out. <laughs> a, a couple of my friends went and posted a Facebook like pseudo review. And, um, you know, basically the vibe is, oh, my God, everything's different and everyone's older. But. Halford certainly had the notes and uh, everyone was just thrilled to hear the Queensryche songs. And I think the audience took it really well. I mean, it's, it's not the same thing, but yeah. people have a blast. Yeah. Um, so we've got a lot of emphasis on the Todd Latore version and those three albums. Uh, now, 2015, 2016, 2017, Tate had his Operation My Crime project and just in terms of vibe, ambience, soundcraft, this is possibly the best late stage Queensryche there is if, you, if you're going for something different and alternative. I don't know the three albums enough to rate them in any order, but I, I do know there's a time and a place for this music where it really works for me. Tom, what, what did you find with these three? Um, I, I'm always shocked when I agree with you, Ken. Um, yeah, I, I definitely agree with you on, on this. I, I have a lot of really good things to say about these three albums. I, I sort of can't get over the titles, as I mentioned in the text messages. I, I just really wish they were not called Operation Mindcrime. I mean, but I guess with what Paul was talking about earlier, I know why. I think Jeff knew. Uh, I think Jeff in his mind knew that Roger Waters had sort of a sinking ship monetarily in the time of the momentary lapse of reason and that, that sort of era, you know, and there was a, there was a, a, a very hard time for him because he sort of Roger Waters lost, lost his identity. And when Jeff Tate lost the name Queensryche, he wanted to somehow keep that, keep something that had Queensryche, so he wouldn't, in his mind, totally lose Queensryche. So he he called it Operation Mindgrind, you know, had that other, the similar looking logo, whatever. Um, but these three albums uh, are very strong. I mean, mm -hmm. the last is the most experimental, uh, but um, certainly, uh, so when we talked about doing this episode, I think it was, you know, I forget which one of you came up with the idea of, you know, we each come up with three songs that we like from this era. Uh, two of the three are from two of the three of my favorite songs are from the operation mind crime suite. And I think these are um, really wonderful uh, albums. And these are probably, uh, I, I've sort of broken these down all these albums to, you know, would I listen to them or will I be listening to them again? And I think, uh, unfortunately, a lot of the later Queensryche albums, I have to say, I, I won't be. But um, I, I have every intention on, on listening to these three albums in the future, these Operation Mindcrime it, albums. I it's think so funny. Like These guys are like the, the polar opposite of every successful bands i mean most bands you know they work their whole lives to, to to culminate into like four albums 
And then you sit there and you spend the rest of your life sifting through their back catalog of shit that they put together beforehand. This is the exact opposite. They started off with the greatest and then like it just we're spending, you know, we're, we're the back catalog is literally the, the front catalog. I mean, it's just remarkable. What was the name? What's the name of the other band that Tate sang vocals on? The um, Sweet Oblivion is actually a later period. I didn't get there yet. We've oh, got, sorry. Um, Okay. Yeah, yeah. So, so Operation Mind Crime released the key 2015 Resurrection 2016 New Reality 2017, as Tom just described, and then he got back on the horse in 2019 with Sweet Oblivion, and somehow during 2021 released one called Relentless. Yeah, one of those songs they, yay for Sweet Oblivion, Oblivion, um, for me, but one of those songs they completely lifted breaking the silence like the chorus is like i mean it's not even i mean i'm surprised they changed the lyrics really i mean um but i but i enjoyed that too i i have to dig into the operation Minecrime. i i have not listened so no you're kidding it's it's yeah no. you have to do at least once through yeah. just for the sonic experience yeah i i came up with the idea of close to the jeff uh, while listening to some of the Yes influence stuff and that later uh, Operation Mind Crime stuff, you know, and I mean, they're not doing full on 19 minute songs with unique parts spliced together by Eddie Offord, but I mean, there, there are some definite um, nods to progressive music throughout this. Well, I have a few things to say about Operation. Mindcrime albums. I think Jeff's sort of stock went up a bit with me. If you take aside the title, of the project, I mean, because these albums, um, there's a real eclectic instrumentation uh, with, with these. He sort of, in my opinion, does what King's X does. He sort of, they, they sort of take a, a standard format and just like turn it around. And uh, he really did that with a lot of these albums uh, where it's sort of like you have like a, a hard rock song and there's just really interesting um, production elements and, you know, guest players that have, you know, different instruments and whatnot. You can tell that Jeff was really, really loved Scott rock and field. <laughs> Because the drums on these three albums um, really uh, are sort of Scott Rockenfield influenced. Uh, these sort of, I, I'm not, uh, I forget what the drummer's name is, but he sort of goes outside the beat and does these sort of very rhythmic, sort of like heavy Peter Gabriel-esque rhythms. And everything sort of sounds chaotic, but there's a, 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 a very um, sturdy sense of, of of rhythm that sort of keeps everything together. But um, so he sort of keeps that and it does his own thing and, and sort of gives you a very profound uh, group of songs. Um, but anyway, I, I could talk a lot about these, these well, albums. Let's talk about the drums um, because I, yeah, he, he got Simon Wright of ACDC and Dio to play. 
Um, and he got Brian Titchy, known for playing with White Snake, Billy Idol, Foreigner, and Ozzy at some point. So, um, you know, you, you know, w- w- when you spend a good chunk of your life playing with Scott Rockenfeld, you, you, you can't go cheap on the drums. So I actually, um, when we uh, filmed Hired Gun, Brian Tishy was one of the people that we interviewed. Uh, he sort of um, got cut on the um, the cutting room floor. Uh, it, it didn't he didn't make the documentary, but I knew his name through Berkeley. He graduated a couple of years before I did. And what I remember about that interview, uh, it's a really interesting guy. Yeah, he had um, just finished with White Snake, and he had just he had toured with that version of Wait Snake that you guys saw with Rudy Sarzo. And he was the drummer for that. And when we interviewed him, he actually... Wait, the version of, of Queensryche? Or, the or version the, of Queensryche. You guys oh, the saw a version Tate's of Queens- with, um we, we saw Operation Mindcrime by Jeff Tate. Yeah, with, with Rudy Sarzo. Sarzo. Right, right. Yeah, that one. Okay, yeah. Um, so Brian, I don't know if exactly he was the drummer on that show, but he, in that in that era, if you will, uh, Brian Tishy played a lot of those shows. And when we interviewed him, we did a segment. He did this really interesting thing where he has like um, these boxing bags and he does and he hits the boxing bags in rhythm. And so we recorded it. But right next to these boxing bags, there were his was, his drum set was next to him. And it had um, Queensryche all over the drum set. Oh, wow. Had, and I was like, oh. <laughs> Queens, right? I was like, that's right. Oh my God. So, uh, and um, oh, so, incredible. Uh, yeah, he definitely has his uh, name on this period uh, for, for better or for, for better or worse. Uh, his, his name is on that period. And I would have liked to have asked him questions about that, that period, but we were sort of rough on time and we uh, were, we had other things that we had to discuss with him, but um, yeah, I, he, he's, he is, he's a great drummer and yeah, he's a big part of the rhythm on, on these three albums. Yep. The only drummer I think I didn't credit yet was uh, Scott Mercado of Candlebox on here. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Dave Ellison, bass guitar and the first one. There's a lot it's going on. interesting that you bring this up, Ken. And here I am rambling like some fool, but uh, one of my favorite songs one of my three songs that I picked was the reinventing. Uh, yeah, uh, it was reinventing the future on the key, and David Ellison co-wrote that song, and that's that was one of my favorite songs. That was one of the three that I, I listed. I think that's a. Oh, he does. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kelly Gray, Jeff Tate, Steve Conley, Dave Ellison. Yeah, the, all of these albums are on the subject of. Um, internet banking, stock trading, just kind of a weird kind of financial Armageddon. And he kept that consistent through all, all three albums. You know, as you guys are talking, I'm just sort of, you know, skimming through the op- Operation Mindcrime tracks on um, Spotify here. And, you know, and, and I do like the expansive sound that's there and I'm kind of excited to spend more time. But w- one of the things that's hitting me 
is um is it's probably bad form to admit on the podcast about a band that you know you're listening to the music for the first time while you're while you're talking about it. Nonetheless, yeah, um, it's us. I the thing that is drawing me to this is kind of the thing overall that draws draws me to like American Soldier, right? Like American Soldier, and and I'll even say it for that matter, dedicated to chaos, right? Like you know there are some spots that you know are really really cool. An American soldier in some spots. I'm like, mm, I'm not sure, you know, if that's, you know, it's not necessarily capturing my imagination, but the expansiveness of the thought and the idea and the, and the sound is really inspiring to me. And the, and the, 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 the research and everything that comes out of like American soldier is, I don't know if it's, you know, I don't know where it sits in the in the final analysis of all the albums out there, but I found it very inspiring to just listen to it and um and to sort of bear witness to the process that Jeff Tate went through to put that whole thing together and write it. Um and um and I Damn get right. the same sense from listening to that to those Operation Mindcrime snippets. There's some quality in there. I'd like to hit the rewind button since we have no form to this whatsoever. And I would like to be the apologist for here in the now frontier. Here we go. Could I? This is, this is probably the least appreciated of all Queensryche fans because it was the least associated with their core mission. It it was such a it was such a and and the reason I, I'm going to be apologist because. Like, I remember when this came out and I remember how much I dug it. Like, I listened to it for a really long time. I was really like into this idea that they were just trying to be something different. Right. And, um, and at the time, this is what everything sounded like. So we can look back and, you know, scoff upon the idea that they finally let grunge overtake them and they were trying to be like, but this, but, you know, this is sort of like the, the the parallel it's certainly not the same thing but it's kind of like the parallel when rush makes the jump from signals to grace under pressure right they start changing their sound to to reflect yeah but grace under pressure was brilliant i said it's not the same thing i said it's on a parallel track you know they they sort of start changing their sound based on like what they're hearing and you know what what's happening in the in the music world and and you're right joe like grace under pressure is a raging success and and here in the now frontier is not um and there are uh, there are a lot of missteps in there how however like the voice inside that song um some people fly i even like the goofy production of miles away i think that's like chris DeGarmo like tipping his hat to everyone saying like i'm out of here um and there's just some cool stuff on, on this. And, and, and like I, I was listening to this uh, last week or two weeks ago when I was, you know, moving all my vinyl records from the giant, you know, pool of them in my living room to the organized bit that I have now down here in the basement, which took the entire weekend. And and, um, you know, as I'm sitting there alphabetizing them and everything, I'm, I'm, you know, listening to this in the background. And I really, it just really gave me joy 
to to listen to this and it took me back to to that time and you know on a whole i'm going to say it it very much reminds me and i would parallel it to pearl jam's uh second album versus the production is sparse it's kind of not great there are some good tracks in it there are some things that really uplift you and and inspire you and then you know it was a big downward slide after that that album for pearl jam and 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 you know similar here although clearly we're we're finding gems and diamonds in the rough but despite the most ridiculous cover ever and i mean i don't know what hugh sign was was thinking and i don't know how it got past anybody's approval um i think i i do like here in the now frontier and i you know i'm i'm glad i bought it and i'm glad i i revisited it and it's yeah cheers yay for me on that one that's why i was the lone yay it's interesting that you brought that up paul i wonder if i mean i didn't have the the the, the same listening experience as, as you did um when i listened to it but i i remember saying to myself you know here in the now frontier i know that they were trying to you know compete with the the grunge era and whatnot i mean to me it's sort of sounds ridiculous that a band like Queensryche would try to, to do that. But I, I see monetarily why, if you're trying to stay above water or whatever, I mean, the whole thing is sort of silly, but um, I, I just think that knowing now that we're, uh, we really know the catalog front to back. I just think a band like Queensryche does, shouldn't worry about um trying to be something they're not. I think that a band like Queensryche always is going to sound good with a big production. And not every band can say that. And some bands just need that sort of skeleton, you know, bare bones kind of thing. A a band like Queensryche, although it's sort of like maybe scoffed upon or looked down upon in, in some, um, in, in some groups, a band like Queensryche really needs a big production. And I think some of the songs on here in the now frontier might have gone a different way with me if they had a bigger production. And again, it almost sounds wrong to say, but um, you know, it's, you know, a band like, I mean, imagine if like Def Leppard hysteria had, you know, a bare bones production. It wouldn't be, it wouldn't be that album. And you know, I, I think we're we're really seeing the difference here between um, the the best and worst, really, with not just the band but the producer that's involved with it, and you know, maybe maybe the money that they they had to to to, to spend on it. So, to your point, Paul, yeah, you know, maybe if they had a bigger production, maybe I, I would have gone a, a, a little bit differently. Well, it's interesting, as I recall, Peter Collins was on board for here in the now frontier. You know, which is just odd, just because they're 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 they were a very deliberate choices. You're right, Tom. They they made very deliberate choices to be that way, and and they they probably should not have done that. Well, it says that they used Toby Wright, who produced Alice in Chains' self-titled 1995 album. But when uh, I hear any Alice in Chains, it just sounds like they're singing. Maybe I'm thinking in, of in the different. sewer. Like it sounds huge to me. Yeah. 
Yeah, I think so. I, you know, I think that the weird thing is, is they were sort of like grunge. They were trying to get back to grunge, but they I think it ended up sounding more like it sounded more like they were using vintage gear and vintage amps. And, you know, they have like a, it's more much more of a classic rock sound to me, um, more so than, you know, what you'd expect from from those. Um, those other acts that you mentioned, Ken, I don't know. I dig it. That's all. While we're in this period, um, I have a little story. I know we're fond of telling uh, Queensryche stories as we're growing up. Um, So after this album came out, we had another one of our get-togethers, and this was in Texas. It was the Texas Lake House. Oh, Oh, nice. And um, uh, Q2K had, had just been released. But I guess going to the lake house, I had by far the best listen to Rage for Order ever. I remember sitting in the back seat and it was just, <laughs> uh, I don't know, it was just the country or the there being with you guys or, or whatever. But like, I just remember being like one with Rage for Order, like at more than ever. It was just so wonderful. It's always good when you're listening to Rage for Order and you have that motion. And and you and you and you're not stopping and starting and you're just like you can just really appreciate it. But anyway, my my point I wanted to the, the story I wanted to tell is that Paul, you had just bought Q2K and I did. you were not very fond of it so much that you gave it to me. <laughs> um and oh I was like, because I I wanted to get it, but I didn't. And, you know, I'm so opinionated. I, I sort of like box myself in a corner uh, sometimes. But anyway, I, I sort of didn't know what to do because I had already eaten my words with promised land and with the whole show story. Um, I, I, I think I, I didn't know what to do with, with Q2K. So when Paul, Paul generously offered to give it, to give it to me um, and I, remember putting it in my CD player, my car at work uh, after when I got home from uh, when I got out of work one day and, you know, it starts off with a great riff uh, with a meaty sounding riff. And then it just, from there, it just fell flat. And I, every song that passed seemed to get worse and worse. (laughs) And I, I, I remember you know, not really making it through the entire album. I, I, I might have, but it wasn't, uh, wasn't the greatest experience I've, I've ever had. And I soon, I was sort of weird about my, my CD collection at the time. And I, if there was something I didn't like, I immediately got rid of it. I would sell it at a local CD store or whatever. So I, I kind of felt bad that I felt, I felt bad that Paul gave me the CD, but like I immediately had to get rid of it. You felt like you owed me eleven ninety nine right after yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and so I, I got rid of it soon after. I also felt bad because you know Queens Rec is yeah. a big part of my life. So, um, but and it's yeah, such so a better cover than here and then out frontier too. The, the it's cover. definitely a better cover, but um, it there was definitely a big yeah drop there as well even though that story doesn't have as good of an ending as some of the other stories that we've had with the albums, the fact that we're together 
when we're sort of discovering these throughout the years is sort of endearing, is actually very endearing to me, just the thought that, you know, we have these stories to tell when we first listen to things. And, you know, sometimes the listen isn't, isn't a great experience as is in life. Right. You know, but I mean, the fact that we sort of do it together in like sort of various functions over the years is, is, is remarkable. So um, even though Q2K doesn't stand the test of time, or it doesn't say anything really. Um, the fact that we were together and had some sort of um, history with this album is 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 something. Here, here. I love Sacred Ground. That that fits right in that era. It reminds me of uh, one of the fish songs we talked about, where he went a little techno with the drum loop. Some some days I just can't get Sacred Ground out of my head. I think it's great. Mm. Paul, did you find anything redeeming on this years later? I'm just scrolling through it now to think, think, think if I know. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely not. No, but what's, what's, you know, part of the fun about this is that is there's so much now, right? And I mean, you're, you know, and, and uh, I mean, I can be very impatient, right? Like, so if I start listening to something that's just not grabbing me, it's like, oh, look, I've got like, 17 other albums that I can listen to and see if there's something else that I like. So, um, you know, and I think that that's part of why, you know, I, I, I just don't have the gumption to even give um, Operation Mind Crime 2 um, any, any, more, any more time. You know, I listened to it like twice and I was like, okay, not for me. Like, should have never gone there. Not the Dio track. Nah, I mean, even the Dio track is like it's 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 cool, but at the same time, it's like ah, come on. It, it kind of happens so late. In yeah, the, like, it, exactly. Yeah. It should have been like track three or four, right? Right. Um, and you know, and and so I just can't, you know, and it just should have never been done. But then, like you know, but oddly, that's why you know, at a new boom, I'm like read a little bit about, about American Soldier listen to it and i'm like ah oh, I, I really i really dig it everyone's all down on dedicated to chaos and the ensuing tour and the guys were talking about how i don't know if it was eddie jackson or michael wilton that had his hoodie on because he was so embarrassed to be on stage and i was like oh god i gotta listen to that that sounds like a fucking train wreck and i put it on and i'm actually like oh this is kind of fun i, I kind of <laughs> dig it <laughs> wow uh, so i know we're it's sort of fun just freewheeling this um going all over the place but being that we're talking about that era so so paul you brought us into the uh american soldier dedicated to chaos era um my one major thought with these two albums is it amazes me it amazes me to no end how good american soldier is and how bad dedicated to chaos is like they just and so that's why when uh, so when when joe brought it up in the beginning i was like it was like shocked i was like oh my god um you know and and that that's part of what's what makes us fun right you know we like different things and you know we we talk about things and um we sort of hash it out but i uh, i i just i'm I listen to dedicated to chaos and I appreciate what they were trying to do. 
I think because of the seriousness of American soldier. And it was probably, they sort of had that operation mind crime sort of mindset where they were like, they just made this really heavy, heavy yeah. album, not like heavy as in like big distortion, uh, distorted guitars, but like the, the theme, uh, the theme was very heavy and, uh, and they, they wanted to just lighten things up and they wanted it to be um, experimental in the way that they have been in the past, but they did it all on one album, which was just, just didn't seem to work with me. And they just tried to do things that were out of their grasp and just did not work. And so my thought at the end, I know we were going back and forth. My thought of that era is, wow, they really came back and did something special with American soldier. And it's sort of odd that they turned around and then did the next album the way they did it. So I'm very intrigued with Paul and Joe. Um, and I, I think you, you like it, Ken, I, I think I'm the odd man out here, but I mean, their last album together dedicated to chaos or yeah, dedicated to chaos. I mean, to me, was a debacle. So, I mean, I'm yeah. interested to hear what you guys well, think. It, what's funny is, Tom, is Tom, you've mentioned before, like, you know, sometimes it's all about the expectation of, you know, what you want to hear after the last album. Uh -huh. And and like, you know, I'm just sifting through these things and, and picking albums to listen to based on like the group chat of the day or, you know, article that I read or something that, you know, I read in Building Empires. And so... And on Spotify, you know, they they're the chrono the chronological order of the albums is is based on release of like remasters and everything. So nothing is really actually in the correct order. So I can't imagine what my reaction would have been, you know, had I, you know, gone through like a normal release cycle where like American Soldier came out, I got it, I listened to it, I like really liked it. And then I waited and then they came out with the next album and I put it in and all of a sudden I'm listening to dedicated to chaos. Like that would have been, you know, a, a little bit of a shock and a little bit of a, a readjustment. Um, the, the kind of the beauty of it is like, I was just bebopping around the whole catalog over, over the last, I don't know, several months, however long it is that we've been listening to Queensryche and you know, I, you know, I started getting into American Soldier and I, I really thought that that was great. I think I actually listened to Dedicated to Chaos prior. Um, I think I actually listened to that almost immediately after we talked to the guys uh, from Building Empires. Um, and because they, they had just talked about how, you know, bad it was and how bad the show was. And I was like, oh, well, I got to listen to this and. And I and I just thought it was cool that they were doing different things. That that was really the thing. It, I, I don't need. I mean, dedicated to chaos may be a train wreck, um, artistically. But I just kind of really get inspired by them trying to do different things, even if they don't pull it off. I'm like, wow, that's cool that that they actually went in that direction and they made those choices. And I think for me, that's the thing that's compelling. I definitely agree with you on that I, I give them props for doing something outside their comfort zone and, and doing something new um but it, it was just it was a, it was a hard listen for me 
It's interesting when, you know, as you guys are talking, right, and I'm just kind of glancing at the wikis at these two records, American Soldier was essentially written by Jason Slater. Hmm. Um, you know, there is yeah, not, yeah. There, there's not a single, there's not a single track on American Soldier that was, had gives first writing credit to one of the original members of Queensryche. Wow. If you go to like, it's, it's all Jason Slater with a little bit of, I think four tracks where Kelly Gray gets primary writing credit. If you go to dedicated to chaos um, out of 12 tracks, there are two that have one of the original members of Queensryche as primary um, composer. So, so Joe, so, real quick. Yeah. I, I'm sorry. Back to American Soldier. So mm-hmm. how, is Jeff Tate credited with? Because yeah, he went on this big he's, thing. He's credited or, on every song, I think. He is not. He, yeah. So, so it says, according to the wikis, all songs written by Jason Slater and Jeff Tate. Oh, all right. Because he, yeah, he went on and on about interviewing all these veterans and things like that. Sure. Which, yeah. Okay. Gotcha. All right. It's primarily his dad. There are recordings meshed into the album that I believe is Jeff's dad sitting at a kitchen table giving his story. Yeah. I thought. Well, well I think his dad was, was the inspi- inspiration behind it, but he but apparently went on a, a bunch of... Uh, you know, he went on a small tour of interviewing veterans cool. from different different wars. Yeah. Okay. But well, to, to further what Joe brought up, correct me if I'm wrong, but Michael Wilton and Eddie Jackson have no writing credits on American Soldier. And actually, that continues back to Operation Mindcrime Two. Yeah. So there are three tracks that well, four tracks. There's one. Um, attributed to Tate alone, but yeah, there there are four tracks on Operation Mindcrime Two that have one of the originals as primary songwriter. And it's interesting the way this whole thing works out, right? So, Operation Mindcrime Two was was written and recorded with Mike Stone on guitar. Mike Stone features prominently in Mindcrime at the Moor. Mike Stone was then essentially dismissed from Queensrÿche. And is now back with Wilton's Queensryche. So, mm. you know. So we may be looking at different lists here, guys, because there are a couple songs that I see on American Soldier that Jeff Tate wrote by himself, like The Killer. He is credited solely on that song. And I think there's another song, um, according to iTunes, anyway. Um, we have a discrepancy. The killer is recorded solely by Jeff Tate. And um, there's another one. What what you're looking at, Joe, does it have the killer as being written by anyone else other than Jeff Tate? So in the wikis, again, track listing at the top, it says all songs written by Jason Slater and Jeff Tate, except where noted. And there is no note on the killer. Okay. And also, 100 Mile Stare is just a Jeff Tate song. 100 Mile um, Stare and the killer. So I don't know. So in, in, in the wikis, 100 Mile Stare is credited to Kelly Gray and Jeff Tate. Controversy. Controversy. Doesn't really matter. Um, you know, the, the point is there are 
there are different things here that, that capture different people's attention, right? So, Ken, I think you were the first of, among us to to venture into dedicated to chaos land. And you had made the comment at the time and several times since that it's, it's great workout music. And I thought, okay, interesting. So, so that's why, that's why I went there. Right. And I went there after having the experience of re-listening or trying to re-listen to here in the now frontier tribe and mind crime Two, which those are kind of dense, dirty kind of claustrophobic albums in some regards. And the one thing that Dedicated Chaos had going for it was it did sound a little brighter and more spacious. And I was like, okay, I feel like I can, I can breathe here. And so that's why I was, I was okay with it. I still haven't listened to American Soldier, so I can't really compare or contrast you know, that versus the others. I think at the beginning of most of these albums, there are some things to grab onto. Um, but I'm still calling dedicated to chaos the uh, insane clown Jeffrey period. It's a little more hip hop. <laughs> <laughs> right? it, it, it is a little different. Absolutely. I don't know. Listen to what we do now. And I kind of like it. I don't know. I think some of this is kind of infectious. I mean, it's just, you know, in I, you know, the biggest problem is just too much quantity. And not enough quality, but they had a core audience and they had to sell the copies that they did to the core audience. And they just kept plugging on album after album, year after year. But, you know, I wanted to call this episode salvage.q2k and, and, and just go through all these albums and take the best songs. But, you know, that would take us a day. Uh, and, 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 you know, to that point, right, when we had talked about this off air at the end of our last uh, recording session, I had thrown out there glibly, well, why don't we all just bring three songs to the table, which apparently Tom took me to, uh, to uh, took me seriously and did, well done, which is Tom. nice. Way to go. And, and, and then that way that would give us 12 songs that we could sort of create a salvage.com. But of course the, the problem with that is in the intervening week and in, in in the intervening weeks in general, I have suffered from absolutely zero interest in listening to any of this kind of stuff. <laughs> it happens. It happens, right? It's too bad. You know, even there are some spots in the in the King's X catalog where, where they had underfunded, under, you know, invested albums where maybe we weren't so into them, but it wasn't quite like this. Like this, this is. This is like eating the dry roast beef without the that, that sauce. On. Without the au jus? Yeah, without the au jus. Now you're just like gnawing on dry roast beef for like album after album. It's, it's not dry enough to be beef jerky, so it's just kind no. of unpleasant. Wow. <laughs> but but that being said, so so Tom Tom brought three. Did anyone else bring three tracks to the table that we can at least consider? Well, I'll, t- I'll keep my sacred ground. I'm going to throw in Get Started just to piss people off. Wow, and, that is going to piss people off. And there's just so much that I like. And any anything with drums that sound like trash cans, which a lot of the stuff does in the later in the later p- period. Yeah, it's so it's so hard. But um, I know Paul, do you have three? Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna you know go back to stick to my guns. And I'm going to say, yeah, 
I'm going to say The Voice Inside, Some People Fly, and Miles Away, all three of mine from here in the now frontier. Wow. To give it its due. Oh, I'm uh, all right. So my third, just because so many people didn't like it, Sign of the Times. That chorus is brilliant. You know, and, and it's it's too much like Stone Temple Pilots, and it goes from the distorted guitars to the clean thing. But the actual sign of the times, dude, it's catchy. It stays with me, whether people hate it or not. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna vote for that. What was your third one, Ken? Get started, sign of the times, and what what was the third one? Oh, sacred ground is awesome. Sacred ground. It's like a drum loop song. It's just infectious. Yeah. And then Tom, remind me of your three that from the um, operation. I, don't think I um, told you all. Of them. One of them is "If I Were King" on American Soldier. Uh, That's just sorry, my dog just walked in here. Um, "If I Were King," I think is just a marvelous song. It, it it reminds me of actually not just because it has the name King in it, King's X. It it, it really has like those, those harmonies. I think it's it's a real strong point on American Soldier. Number two, on Jeff Tate's on Operation Mindcrime, the key, um, reinventing the future, the one that Dave Ellison co-wrote. Uh, with uh, it was a, there's a few people credit on that. That's a real strong one. But one that I really was hoping you guys were going to listen to, and it, it, I was really hoping to talk about this song with you guys. Ken, you probably have heard it because it seems like you have listened to um, the stuff more, but there is a song called the fight on resurrection and mm. it is a gorgeous, gorgeous song. Um, it melds um, acoustics with um, like a, a heavier sound. Um, and it has such a great chorus and it's really like this song is worthy of, anything that would go on like the Dagarma years. And so it's, it's, it gives me chills. In fact, the first time I heard this song um, on resurrection called, called the, the fight, I was pulling up to my house and the song had started and I immediately luckily, you know, I stopped in the driveway and was like, wow, this is, I know this is, I'm going to like this. It just had the feel. I, I listened to the song and the song was having me in tears and I had to listen to it again. Uh, and I just sat in the driveway and, and listened to it twice in a row. And I was just like, wow, this is, this is a, a really well-written song. And I, I, again, Jeff Tate's stock uh, went up with this album resurrection. Ken, actually, I want to know if you uh, have had any thoughts on this song, but as far as like Joe and Paul, uh, I, I hope that one day we can you can listen to this song and we can talk about it because I I think the world of it. Yeah, I think I think I think this is going to fit our uh, release. We're going to have to make a, a playlist and uh, publish it. Yeah, the chorus is is wonderful. I had a couple runners up too. <laughs> <laughs> well, since I didn't bring any, Tom, put put uh, out your runners up. That'd be yeah. perfect. Um, well, you can do heaven on, on, on their minds, right, Joe? <laughs> I don't think that really counts. Shucks. You know, uh, the verdict, it's not a perfect album, but there are elements that really give you 
quintessential Queensryche. And there are a few choruses on the verdict that could have been on like Rage for Order even. I mean, they're like the really, really good songs. Uh, not A plus because it's, it's sort of strange. Uh, the, the verses sometimes always don't come together. They don't do a great job of building. I think they're, they, they, this version of Queensryche with Todd Latore, there's like no one really, there's no adult in the room. Mm -hmm. And that wow. some of the some of the verses don't do a good job of sort of bringing attention to the chorus. It's sort of just like this hodgepodge of music that sort of works. You're like, oh, this is cool. And then you're really enjoying the chorus and you sort of forget that things didn't quite work out with the verse. But anyway, there, well, there's, a, there's the a drummer bunch of these songs originally here. by trade. So so he's powerful. And there's always a really good vibe. I think you're looking for an architect, like a DeGarmo kind of character. Yeah, yeah. And uh, a song like Propaganda Fashion, uh, it, it, the title is sort of weird. It's sort of almost dysfunctional in a way. And it sort of foreshadows the dysfunction of the song. But, oh, my God, the chorus is just a die for. I mean, it's like Queensryche. Um, at his best, I, I, it's sort of you feel weird saying that because you know it's sort of like this lost song on on a lost album. But um, if you guys listen to the verdict, listen to like propaganda fashion, it, it's such a great chorus. Light years is a is a wonderful song, and um, that I I've, I've listened to on repeat on a number of occasions. So I mean, there, there's definitely bits and pieces on the sort of post-Dagarma era that I, I've really enjoyed listening to. And uh, again, I, I credit the palaver having me, you know, for, for me listening to an album like American Soldier, because I was so like heartbroken with a lot of the other releases. I didn't want to be heartbroken again. Like you go through <laughs> this and you're just like, oh my God, I can't go through this again. And so I really didn't, listen to American soldier until recently. And I, um, it was, it was, it was definitely a, a great listen. So, um, you know, I, I, I think this was a, was a really great, um, thing to do. And, you know, I think that, um, although there's a lot of heartbreak through here for, for quintessential Queensryche fans, there's also a, a number of really good songs that, you know, th these guys still have, still have it in you know certain in, in 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 certain forms so it's this is this has been great cool love it you know and and it's it's nice like i said uh, when we came into this you know it, as from the very beginning when i pitched the idea for the podcast and i published that that first wonderfully aggressive schedule you know, it, it covered up through promised land. That was always my intent. And, you know, it, it's, it's nice to be able to hunt around after promised land and find these things that, you know, they're, they're, you know, it's, it's not the solid out of, out of body experience that, you know, a, a mind crime or a rage will give you, but yeah, you know, 
these are these are people who have earned our respect and I'm happy to go along on the journey with them and see where they go. So any closing thoughts then on Queen's Reich beyond what we've already said, gentlemen? Yeah, I, I mean, I just want to reiterate for anyone who's still listening how, <laughs> how much I love Queen's Reich even today. That, you know, even though it's fun to bust on your heroes when, you know, they come up with bogus tunes, like, you know, it, it is, I have n- not a single day has gone by that I've been listening to Queensryche and, and researching about them that I haven't, you know, walked away, like inspired by what they've done, what they've accomplished, what they've been through. So I, you know, I just wanted to go on record as saying that to, to clear up and any misunderstandings that could potentially have. You know, I think Tom, you made the point, right. About the big production, a lot of what that middle period, well, a lot of everything post promised land suffers from is it doesn't have that crystal clear, absolutely transcendent production to it. I mean, even mind crime, while it's heavier from a, you can still hear and feel everything. And there, there's, you know, I just, I, I think that's the major drawback. None of it sounds like what my brain says Queensryche should sound like. And that's, that's a very provincial and, and narrow-minded view of the world. I know that, um, but that's what I like. So, oh, well. I think it's I wanted fair. to say at some point during this episode that, that I think we just like, as a society, we like underdogs. You know, we want the guy in NASCAR to come from behind, and we want the, you know, the poor up-and-coming person, and we, we like to feel like we've discovered things. And I think once they hit that certain level of no, notoriety, it was so easy for, for people just to be like, okay, either you're perfect and you're awesome and you're shining or you're just wasting my time. Well, yeah, I think you, you touched upon Queensryche in, in a nutshell, Ken, that Queensryche was so good in the, you know, the, the sort of sweet period that we covered through Promised Land that you know, even it, it was it was hard to adjust and, and listen to things that are not as good because it, and I brought this up in, in prior episodes, they sort of took us to such great highs. And it was you, like, I just sort of rejected certain things because I was so used to like really great material, but you know, even a song, like I think you brought up Ken, like sign of the times. I mean, that's, that's, it's a, a decent song. That's a good song. I, I think that any of us would probably enjoy if we would have heard it on the radio. Um, and it, it was, it just, you know, the problem is it, it's stood up against, you know, some of the greatest hard rock, heavy metal songs ever. So it sort of gets buried in that period. So I think there's a lot of things that get buried, but it still doesn't mean it's bad. It's just, it's just hard to accept in the same catalog as the the great albums that we covered well and, and and i think the other the the corollary to that statement is the one that paul made right these guys didn't have sort of a a growing period where they grew into rage for order or mind crime i mean the ep is like the only thing they really have i mean they came out of the gate just 
fucking wonderful and got even more wonderful every album. And you, and so it's just like, you didn't have a couple albums where you're kind of like, yeah, you can kind of see where this is going. You know, it's, it's not that they don't have a yes and a time and a word that, you know, isn't quite there. Um, you know, it, it just, here they are. And so we got spoiled. We did get spoiled. That's a key word there. All right, gentlemen, this has been really, really fun. Again, self-admitted, we have been a little indulgent in our Queensryche segment, but I have absolutely no regrets. I'm glad we did it. I'm glad you guys came along. And uh, yeah, we'll see what uh, what fun things we can figure out to do next week as well. So okay. until then, gentlemen, I will wish you a fond evening and look forward to next palaver. Absolutely. Sweet. Revolution. Paul, you're on mute. I just whispered revolution. You just didn't hear it, I guess. Revolution. <sighs> <laughs> <laughs> hopefully it comes through on the recording we'll see we hope you've enjoyed this episode of progressive palaver as always we've enjoyed sharing it with you and we look forward to your thoughts comments feedback and questions what are your thoughts on the queen's right catalog as a whole you can reach us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. We are at Prague Paula on all of those, or search for Progressive Palaver. You're welcome to email us. Our email address is progpala, that's P-R-O-G-P-A-L-A, at gmail.com. Progressive Palaver is available for subscription and download on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Pandora, or presumably wherever you find your podcasts. And we are, as always, hosted on SoundCloud. So until next time, thanks for listening. Well, I already pissed Tom off before you guys showed up, so we're ready to go. What? Uh-oh. <laughs> we got to okay. get this on tape. Just, 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 just I, I, I already accused Jill of, of being Ken. <laughs> <laughs> That's harsh. <laughs>you'd enjoy this episode of progressive palaver because the poor bastard who has to edit it sure as hell won't (laughs) (laughs) that's not right On this episode of Progressive Palaver, the group considers the rest of the Queensryche catalog. What? What was that? Well, hold Tom on, just, Joe. Are, are we going to... Um, Tom just spoke over me. As, oh, sorry. Are, are, are we going to build this as post-Queensryche, or are we going to put something about like the solo stuff, too? To be the best of the rest. <laughs> on this uh, episode just, of... <laughs> Are you guys done? Who's editing this?
Oh, <laughs> Not me, damn it. 